Hello, and welcome to Bedlam Social Hour, a D&D podcast. I am the aforementioned Bedlam, DM of the semi-edited Real Play podcast. Bedlam Social Hour contains mature language, and this month's episode does contain imagery that listeners, in all probability, will find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Last time, the party mobilized once more to continue their travel on to the gnomish village of Ekinaw. As planned, their journey brought them to the Ruby Hills, where the group was summarily impressed by the visuals of the eponymous land, and Valryl and Brax were able to regale the others with some history of the lands. At this point, rather than continue on, most of the group decided to deviate from the path proper with the intent to gain more insight of their surroundings by achieving a higher elevation. Miramilnir opted to stay with the horses, and the others picked the nearest mountain and ascended it with only mild difficulties. Along their hike, they encountered two large clockwork panthers seemingly just lounging in the trees, but perceiving a potential threat, the group sought a preemptive strike and attacked. After driving off the strange cat-like creatures, they summited the mountain and discovered that Ekana was not nearly as far away as they thought. They descended easily and returned to the camp Mirmolnir had struck in their absence, only to find him in an agitated state. It is here we will resume our story, with the majority returning to camp and discovering what exactly has Mirmolnir concerned. Mirmolnir You have more than sufficiently tended to the horses. They are tethered and contentedly relaxing after the morning's short jaunt. You've struck camp anticipating that your companion's foray up the mountain will take them well into the evening. However, you find yourself welcoming the solitude. The events of the past few days certainly warrant some extra reflection. As time passes, you contemplate various things. That strange merchant, Elia Nevercross, Something happened there, and you find yourself struggling to define exactly what it was. Your thoughts drift to the specter of Mayala at the tree line the other night. The nature of her appearance then leads your thoughts to the dream you experienced with the drow Sindern, and the opinions Kusodros expressed to you therein. Then there was the stream that closed that strange, otherworldly portal. You can't help but question the message which lies within that divine event, and then subsequently your newfound ability of flight, albeit in short increments, has you wondering if your crystalline ethereal wings are something that you've awakened in yourself, or a gift from somewhere or someone else. More time passes and your train of thought eventually leads you to fond thoughts of your amethyst dragonborn kinsmen, and you sincerely hope that the absence of the effigy known as Kusodros Dread isn't adversely affecting them too terribly. Your concerned reflections eventually drift to Nurma, and you can't help but wonder how she's doing. You hope she is finding her footing at Grinzander's. You hope Mayala is well. That her companions are navigating their concerns for their comrade Saphiel successfully. And then out of the blue, an overwhelmingly compulsive feeling washes over you. Something near is calling to you. It's not far, but you need to go to it and see what it is. The initial anxiety-inducing onslaught subsides, but the desire takes up firm residence in the back of your mind. You need to go see what beckons you, 
but you will not abandon the horses. You try to put it out of your mind, but the insistent call does not relent. There's even a moment where you can hear in your head, Mirmaldir, come. And at that, you stand and walk a good 50 feet towards wherever it is that is drawing you. The desire and curiosity is almost unbearable at this point, but you still don't see the source. You muster your will and return to camp. The whole arduous 50-foot trek back, you are accosted with thoughts of, No, come back. You pause at Mr. Snugglebottom's, taking a moment to close your eyes and place your forehead on his. It's not as insistent as the compulsory voice in your head, but you almost feel as if another spirit contributes to the cacophony, saying, You've got this, friend. And at that declaration, the noise in your head subsides slightly, and you are able to feed the campfire and return to your log, resting back into contemplation. And then we will fast forward through the day, and this is the point where everybody returns to the camp that Mirmolnir has struck. I need to leave. Aye, seems like it's your turn. Yeah. Your meat is over there on the stump, and take this, and I'm going to reach up and grab the squirrel, and I'm just going to set it down on the ground and I'm just gonna look at it and tell it to stay hey where be you off to I don't know be you needing a hand no I feel this is something I must do on my own aye I'll watch your horse how long you need I don't know if I do not make it back Please make sure Nurma is well taken care of. How to hell with that. I say I got four hours before we all be dragging this damn wagon through the woods looking for you. Make it back. I believe we still got the world to see. And your stupid statue to find. I will try. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to call it stupid. I was just playing. With that, I'm going to turn and I'm going to start walking in the direction that I'm being called to. You move quickly through the forest, and you come upon a small cave opening. And there is something in there that you need to see, and you don't hesitate to enter. Upon entering, you find a passage that leads down and away from the entrance. Your eyes quickly adjust to the darkness, and eventually the corridor opens into a large natural chamber which houses a large pool of water. You slow as you approach the pool, but as you do, the tranquil water begins to bubble. The turmoil continues, and steam begins to issue forth, filling the cavern. And then something rises from the turbulent surface. It's a dragon's head. Massive in size. The head rises, and then shoulders break the surface. 
then intimidatingly muscled arms replete with clawed hands that could easily encompass your torso. It slams one of those clawed hands into the ground before you, using it for leverage to draw itself up higher above the water. And you eventually see the writhing mass of tentacles that is the waterborne portion of your people's deity. The chaos begins to subside and you are left standing before Kusodros as he gazes down upon you. His tentacles that comprise his lower half flow around you, reaching in and out, in and out, almost touching you, but veering away at the last second. You regard each other for a long moment. You instinctively feel that this is the encounter which you have been drawn to for most of the day. You are just about to inquire as to what is transpiring when your attention is caught and drawn to the backdrop behind the dragon-esque deity before you. Beyond Kusodros is a vastness, something far more powerful than this jealous god before you. As you take it in during this quick moment, you see a field of stars, and then after a moment it occurs to you, those aren't stars, those are eyes, each one a different hue of yellow with varying sizes and shapes of pupils. At that observation, you find this presence to be vaguely familiar. It invokes the same feelings you've had at each of the portals you've encountered on your travels to this place. Your ruminations are interrupted when your deity speaks. You have strayed, child. It is time to reset your path. It is time to choose. Behold your distractions. There is a motion in your periphery, and to your left you see Mayala the elven warrior member of the Emerald Vengeance with whom you bonded, having exchanged intimate details that night spent in the Siren. You catch her eyes and see that she is quite confused at the situation. Miamania, what's happening? Are you in danger? Another flash of movement to your right draws your attention and you see Nurma, standing wide-eyed, fear blatantly apparent on her little face. You see Kusodro's tentacles ever so slowly start to encroach upon her. You hear her say, me, 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 me. Dad, Daddy, I'm scared. Do you see this? None of this matters. All is dross. You are mine. And at that declaration, there is an explosion of motion as Kusuro's massive arm flashes forth to seize you, his clawed fingers easily encompassing your torso and his strength more than sufficient to lift you from the ground. You look to Mayala to see that a tentacle has wrapped twice around her neck, choking off her speech, her hands instinctively grasping at the restriction, futilely pulling at the iron grip around her throat. You quickly look to Nurma and see that another set of tentacles have wrapped around her little arms, encircling her limbs and her biceps and her wrists. She is breathing rapidly, overtaken by panic. Now, young follower, it is time to focus on what is important. However, I am not without benevolence. Exhibit your obedience, or they die. You turn your attention back to the deity holding you fast, awaiting your response. Let them... Go. Your heart betrays you. A strangling sound draws your attention back to Mayala, and you see her face turning an ever-darkening shade of blue. 
her surprised eyes bulging, her mouth agape as if to cry out, but the powerful constricting tentacle wrapped around her neck prevents her from doing so. The restriction continues to tighten, and eventually her flesh gives way to Kasodro's vice-like grip. There is a sickening tearing sound as the elven warrior's head is liberated from her body, followed by a melon-like thump as it unceremoniously lands on the rocks near you. Countless emotions overwhelm you, and as you turn back to regard the selfish being, an ear-splitting scream startles you as Nerma's arms are violently separated from her torso. The screams continue on for an agonizing amount of time, and your breath is constricted, not by the iron grip Kusodros is maintaining around your torso, but by the gruesome sight you've just beheld. Eventually, Nerma's screams subside into a combination of sobs and gurgles, and eventually cease altogether. experience leaves you feeling as if you can't breathe and your head is filled with cotton. You think that Kusodro said something else to you, but you could not possibly care less what it was. Apparently it was something de-escalating, however, because you find yourself being lowered gently back to the ground. You are set on your feet and your de- Kusodros presents his open palm to you in a gesture of expectation. You look at his upwards open palm resting on the ground before you. You look up to his eyes, radiating an almost overwhelming intensity, yet communicating a semblance of anticipation. What do you do? Fuck you. The massive hand comes around again, snatches you up as if you were an immediately necessary tissue. However, instead of blowing his nose with you, he jerks you to his face and you feel his hot, fetid breath wash over your entire body when he screams, I said so, bitch. And to punctuate his declaration, he cocks his arm back quickly, causing you to see spots as your neck muscles fail to compensate for the induced whiplash. However, the vision impediments unfortunately subside right as you see the rock floor hurtling towards you as you are flung to the ground. The impact causes your head to swim, and you take 21 bludgeoning damage. And with that, I'm going to regain my feet. I'm going to unleash a shout of pure anger, fury, sadness, and all these emotions I've kept within me straight at him. Roll uh, roll full damage on him. 10. You unleash that force doing what damage you can and that dragon-esque face almost you see that mouth kind of curl up in a condescending smile and then that massive claw comes streaking towards you once more you narrow your eyes at the inevitable blow but the impact doesn't come at the last second there is a bright blue flash and you hear Crusodros roar with fury as he reels backwards a massive slash wound across his chest emanating a bright magical blue With all this anger and fury flowing through me, there's a flash of light and my wings present themselves. I take flight and I dart myself straight for his face, fist outstretched, fully intending to go hand to hand with a god. Roll attack. Yep. Uh, 20. Roll damage. Uh, 11. And then I'm going to swing my bonus action at him. Uh, 17. 17 is not quite enough. Your momentum takes you, and you strike him in that large, dragon-esque face. 
you follow up with another blow, but the momentum has you just a little bit off kilter. And at that, Kusodros inhales sharply, and you instinctively know what's next. Your monk reflexes quickly assess your surroundings, and you deftly dive and roll to the side, back to the ground, trying to get out of the way, as the pseudo-dragon entity unleashes a torrent of sheer force energy from his mouth. And your reaction saves you from the brunt of it, but you still take seven points of force damage. As you seek to try to regain your feet, tentacles rush forth, seeking to encompass you from the water. You manage to dodge and deflect several of the attacks, but several do wrap around your arms and torso, lifting you from the ground and drawing you towards the churning water. However, you are suddenly dropped to the ground as a strange, inky blackness overcomes the writhing, grasping assailants, causing them to lose their strength and seemingly wither away, withdrawing quickly back into the water. I'm getting back up, and I'm flying back up once more, and I'm going close to him again, but I'm taking another force breath from close range. Roll damage. Eleven. He shies his face away, taking the damage that you dealt. He looks back at you with intense eyes and says, I will give you one last chance and great if you do. And then his voice cuts out abruptly. You look at him and see a glittery purple cloud encompassing his head. He is most definitely still speaking, and with intense sincerity. It's almost comical when he realizes the truth of the situation, and you don't need to hear him to know that he is furious. He's in my last breath attack once more. Roll damage. Nine. He takes a step back as your force breath deals another significant blow to him. His fury from whatever silenced him. You see him redouble his effort, and in yet another attempt to destroy you, he comes at you, furiously seeking to devour you. As he opens his mouth and lunges at you, once more his forward momentum ceases abruptly. His mouth looks almost forced open, but you can't see anything lodged in there, save several rows of razor-sharp teeth. As you stare at them in an intense moment, you notice that Kusodro's eyes aren't looking at you. They're focused on something above and beyond you. And before you can react, the dragon-esque threat is forcefully thrown back away from you. You ready yourself for another onslaught, but Kusodros just remains there, fuming at you. And perhaps something else, although you're not sure what. In that moment, you realize that the immense ocular backdrop is gone. And as you ponder that, what I'm assuming be your former god says, This is not over. And then recedes back into the water. And you are left hovering the edge of an underground pool that is eventually returning to its placid state. Is Mayala and Nerma actually laying there? Or was it something in my head? You return to the ground and the small shoreline there, it is riddled with carnage. Whether or not this is a vision or whether or not your deity somehow manifested these actual entities to this place. You are not 100% sure. I'm going to walk over to Nayala very tentatively because I don't think I could bear to go to Nerma. And I kneel down and go to lay a hand on her to see if she is real or if she is a vision or if I can determine whether this is real or not. As you kneel down, before you reach out, you almost feel 
as if a warm hand is placed on your shoulder, but you're so focused on the carnage before you that you continue. You move to put a hand on Mayala's corpse, and right as you touch what would be her corpse, it dissipates into shadows. With that, I am going to stand up and I'm going to begin to exit the cave. As you stand up and turn around, you can't help but let your attention be drawn to where Nerma fell. And you see that there is no longer any carnage there either. And you proceed to exit. You backtrack. You follow the path out. And as you exit the cave, you take note, looking around, looking up at the sky. The light of the afternoon isn't too terribly different than when you entered. And as you turn around to regard whence you came, the cave entrance is gone. I'm going to do a quick check of myself to see if... Just check my general condition. I believe that given the amount of damage you took, you are probably in pretty... So I am physically... ...in shape. You are beat up. You did take the damage of that experience. Okay. With that, I'm... I'm going to start making my way back to camp, but I'm by no means walking at a normal pace. It's a very slow... a slow pace, so I can try and collect myself. You have no problem moving through the forest at that pace. I will say, the rest of you, Grom having had that exchange with Mjolnir and sending him off his way. Is there any conversation you'd like to have as Mjolnir has set off to accomplish something that you have no idea what he's about? Well, damn, V, you really pissed him off. I mean, you're just going to leave everybody like that? I think you should chase him down and probably go apologize, but... Well, let's just wait when he gets back and see if he was still really mad at me. Could be something else entirely. He's kind of got a pressed attitude, maybe. That's probably the safest thing to do. Yeah. I don't know how upset does somebody have to be to leave their squirrel. <laughs> As I try to pick it up, it doesn't fight you. Yeah, to set the squirrel on Tyler's shoulder. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it starts pawing at your hair ever so gently. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna go cut a big slab off my uh, troll fat. Throw a big chunk in the fire and wrap the rest up and put it away. All right, so I'm going to say, Mirmolnir, it took you about probably two minutes to walk to the cave. So I'll say it takes you about five minutes to walk back from the cave. So I'm going to say after about seven minutes of you guys kind of getting settled in, Mirmolnir comes walking back into camp. How does he look? It's like he's been in a fight. And looks like he's been roughed up pretty good, eh? Oh, yes. On a scale of one to 29, he looks like about a... One. A one? <laughs> I'd say the moment I noticed how busted up he was, I'd jump to my feet, arm myself, and be scoping the woods behind him. You don't need to roll a perception check to see that there is no threat behind him. Hey, what the hell happened to you, lad? I'm not saying anything. I am just slowly walking into camp. I am going to grab a seat on the log, and I am going to stare into the fire with a thousand yard stare. I'm going to uh, signal the Brax to circle around the camp in the other direction. I'm going to take off and do a small uh, circle, just kind of scout our perimeter real quick. Yeah, sounds good. I probably would have hopped up too when we first saw him and 
I feel like you guys were still kind of getting situated from okay, yeah. your, your hike or whatever, so you guys weren't settled in. Still kind of sleep around the other side then, wherever Maxie's not going. So Grom and Brax move off to check the perimeter. Yeah. Just throw out a perception check. Brax with advantage, Grom with disadvantage. That would be a not one. I didn't see nothing. Or I got distracted following this deer trail. You got a 17? Yeah, Brax, you don't necessarily find anything. And Grom, you can do whatever you want with it, that one. Well, I did just as good then. Grom is confident that there is no threat in the woods. As he walked right by a mechanical panther. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I walk back to the camp then at that point, and I walk over to Mirmo near and put my hand on him. And What's going uh, on there, buddy? When he lays his hand on me, I'm going to make a fast motion, look at him, and think, Don't touch me. Oh, interesting. So I was going to cast Cure with Wounds, but that's a touch thing. Does that happen? Like, It's a verbal semantic. Uh, so there's a hand motion and a verbal component, too. But I feel like that takes a couple seconds, so the spell doesn't go off. Okay. It's not wasted, but it doesn't... You don't. I was just back off. Like, oh, I was just trying to help you there, buddy. What's what's going on? I am still on that thousand-yard stare. I'm still trying to process everything I witnessed, and I am non-communicative. Communi- I'm not talking right now. <laughs> I'll be a few minutes because of my bad roll. I'm not making my way very well. Tyler? How are you reacting to the situation? My original plan was to sit down next to Mermelnir and just kind of sit quietly with him because he seems like he needs comfort, but... Yeah, I was just standing right behind him right now. Oh, and it's the exchange, so I won't sit close enough to be touching, but he clearly needs something, so I'm just going to sit there and be like a presence I'm as close as I can get without touching. Okay, you can sit on the log next yeah. to him. Valra? I'm just kind of keeping my distance because <laughs> still thinking about the last time we got in a scuffle so just hanging back and this monk is pretty touchy yes he's very he's got feeler, feelers out there is it? i kind of wander over to v kind of sit next to him stand next to you hey uh you think i should try healing him up a little bit i could i could do it from over here but he seems kind of mad i don't well maybe if you do it over here he uh and you heal maybe he'll just start feeling better All right, i'm just gonna hide behind you and <laughs> and, and do this real quick yeah. okay so i'll, I'll take the front of it uh, can I roll to resist it? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, that is a good question. So, I don't know. What, what, yeah, let's, what's your spell DC? My spell's DC is 14. 14? Yeah. So roll a... Mm, cons- mm, yeah, constitution. So a constitution saving throw. 10. Yeah, you feel this healing energy come over you, and you try to muster something inside you to resist it, but it, you've never tried anything like that before, so it, it comes through. So you got six points of heal. I don't even think he noticed me, V. I think we're good. I think we're good. <laughs> I think he noticed you. <laughs> I think he did. He's so cranky, he doesn't want to be healed. There's something wrong with that guy. I'm just going to stand right behind you. He can't see me. <laughs> <laughs> Can I roll for stealth? Yes. It's uh, 13 plus whatever stealth is. Who am I hiding from? I don't know. His perception. 16. Yeah. What's your passive perception there, Peyton? 13. Oh, yeah. You successfully hide behind Valril. Look, Brax, you're gold. <laughs> Shh. I want to hear me. About that time, the brown bear comes plodding up next to you. Oh, he's still around? That's your bear. He just sits down. Good bear. Grom, you can be uh, back from your uh, foray into the woods now if you'd like. Make more ever. Sit down across from Mary. Swing my axe into the stump right next to me. Uh, what the hell chewed you up and spit you out? 
I look up at him, and I have this shell-shocked look in my eyes, and I just kind of mutter, Kusodros. Troubled by the gods, are ya? Mirmolnir, are you proficient in religion? I am. I am indeed proficient in religion. Would you give me a religion (laughs) check, please, then? 20. Oh, very nice. With that 20, as you contemplate what has transpired in that cave, you know that towards the end, well, through that whole encounter, there was something else there besides you and Kusodros with those attacks that were deflected or prevented. But you almost think there was more than one other thing there, given the diversity of what you witnessed. I don't even really know what to make of it. Well, can you at least tell me if it'll be following you? I hope you gave as good as you got. I fought as hard as I could, but I couldn't save them. Couldn't save who? As he says that, my hand squeezes harder on the handle of my primal sorrow. I still don't even know if it's real, but... Mayala was there, and Nurma was there. He grabbed Mayala by the neck, and when I, f- when I refused to submit, and Nurma, I don't think I'll ever get that scream out of my head. Is Nurma alive? I look up to Grom with tears beginning to well in my eyes. I don't know. At that, I'll rip my axe out of the wood and tuck it aside as I start to turn to walk away. And we'll find this god of yours, and we'll kill it. And with that, I'm going to walk off to bed down for the evening. I'm going to continue to sit by the fire. Where is this cave? Maybe we can go back and check and see if the bodies are still there, if it's real. It's gone. Sounds like an illusion to me, then. Yeah, but you never know when it comes to gods. We're about to come up on another town. We can send a messenger to Gret and Xander to check on Nurma. And if she's okay, then Mael is bound to be okay, too. Alright. What are you two doing over there? Being big so Brax can hide? You good back there, Brax? Shh! <laughs> Stop talking to me. I don't think he can see you. He can hear you, though. Oh, you're right. I imagine that, uh, like halfway through, we kind of made our way over there and heard the end of that tale. You want to take a seat at the fire, then? Yeah. At one point, the brown bear wanders over to the fire and realizes that it's warm and cozy and lays down next to it. I walk over to log and sit next to Brax. You all take a seat at the fire and uh, read the room. And yeah, there's a, a good significant moment of just sitting in silence, being there for your companion, commiserating, not understanding fully what he has just gone through, but knowing, wanting to be there for him. So afternoon progresses into evening, the evening draws on. How would you like to set up watch for the camp? 
So the bear, he fell asleep. It's strange for the magical creature, but, you know, he was awfully tired. <laughs> he didn't make him walk up a hill. It was a long walk, yeah. Um, I guess snoring pretty good, too. I would say uh, at, the, at the mention of illusion, I'd probably get a little bit finicky. Um, I start looking over at my horse a lot. And then when it starts to get Tyler, Laura, and Miramal near, would you roll me an insight, please? 13. Uh, 16. Let's have a baseline, so let's have a deception from Brax there. A 15. Yeah, when it gets starts to time for people to bed down, I'm probably going to try to sneak off for a minute. All right. Tyler, Laura, you don't really... You're still feeling out, Brax. He's kind of a kind of a squirrely guy, so when he gets all finicky and agitated, you don't really think anything of it. Miramalnir, it's up to you. If you are focused internally, then you don't notice, or you notice and you don't give a hoot. I noticed him look over, but I didn't quite understand why. Maybe he heard something, maybe he saw something, so... So yes, you notice, but you don't really think anything of it, because you were focused on other things. It's getting on. It's about the time where you guys have historically divvied up watches and made arrangements. Hey, uh, hey, y'all. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go kind of meditate in the woods a little bit, if that's all right with y'all for for a little while. Is that, is that okay? Sure, I can take first watch. I'm alright with that. You got, you got me, V. Yeah, I got you. All right, cool. Ramonier, you, you good over there? I'm still non-talkative, still staring into the fire. I think that means he's good. I think so too. Yeah. yeah. It's too bad we don't have a way to just like. It's too bad he can't like talk to our minds or something. something you know. <laughs> I rolled it try to sleep with my eyes open <laughs> so I can freak them all out. Sure. Oh my gosh. This is a super high DC on willpower. He's been sleeping since we got there. 14, and I don't feel that's going to do it. No, you feel correctly. I'm just going to put my elbows on my knees and kind of hunch over and just try and drift asleep. Somewhere. So you do want to, you're going to try to get some sleep? I'm going to try. Yeah, given that you're in pretty bad shape, uh, it's not too hard to fall asleep, even in that uncomfortable position. But no, you're not fooling anybody. Uh, let's have one more insight roll from Tidal Lore, please. I'm kind of shifty looking back as I get to my horse. 19. With the 19, you think it's kind of strange that Brax wanted to go meditate. That's not really something that he has done that you have noticed. Granted, you've only known him for a few days. Yeah. I'd like to point to, given this state that Mermelnir came back to us, I'm also being kind of hypervigilant because I don't know if that is still around, so... Then in that case, you would notice a little bit of strange behavior from your newfound companion that you've observed act a certain way for as long as you've known him. (laughs) (laughs) 72 hours. Yeah, it's going to be a good 72 hours now. Yeah. I'm just going to make a mental note of it for now. All right, so you file that away for things to think about later so Brax kind of shifty eyed goes messes with his uh, saddlebags that he has slung over a nearby tree branch next to his horse so his horse doesn't have to sleep in them and mosey on off to the woods Valrail are you, you Tyler said she would take first watch so but then you also said that you got him so you both are I think I'm just there to make sure Tyler doesn't get up and start walking his way. Just kind of... Tyler also, I'll piggyback off that insight roll. That's, if you find it interesting that Valryl's not moving to get some rest after you said you would take first watch. Aren't you tired, Valryl? Yeah, I'm tired, but I'm kind of worried about this big guy right here. He's uh, He was angry at me for a while. He goes off into the woods or cave, he said, and gets his ass kicked. Comes back and just kind of worried about him. 
Would that warrant a deception roll? Since you're more concerned about what Brax is doing? Advantage because it's his best friend? <laughs> yeah, do we get an advantage on that? <laughs> no. Six. Fourteen. <laughs> Again, something's, something's weird, so do with that what you will. Oh, I've got I've got Marmon there. Go ahead and take a nap. All right, I'll go take a nap. I'm going to go check on uh, Chip and Bojack first. Make sure they're doing good. Okay. So I get up and walk over by the horses. The, the horses that Brax just checked on? Sure. Yeah. Well, I got to check on my horse. He needs to make sure, you know. Now my attention is slightly more on what they're doing. I'm just going to stay where I'm at because current state of normal near, but I am paying attention. All right, so where, where did Brax go back in those trees? So I'm going to walk over. So you walk over to the horse. What do you do to the horses? Just walk over to Bojack, kind of pet him on his head and say, uh, uh, good night, big fella, and I just walk over and lean up against the wagon to kind of pretend I'm sleeping, but we'll kind of take a nap, but just keep an eye on both situations. I said sit down and lean against it, because I do sleep out open sometimes. Is that persuasion? Is that what that was? <laughs> no. Are you actually trying to sleep? Or? Kind of, but... Are you trying to present that you're sleeping? Present that I'm sleeping. Deception. 15. You got me this time. I had a four. Good night, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor, you are convinced that Elrel has, albeit a strange place to sleep, seems to be sleeping. All right, um, let's find out. Tyler, would you roll me a wisdom saving throw and a perception, please? 19 on the res- wisdom. You have no problem staying awake. 13. As you sit there next to Mirmolir, contemplating the snoring brown bear by the fire, the snoring gold dragonborn over by the wagon. You wonder what Brax is doing out in the woods. Meditating? That's strange. And you kind of look to your right, you gaze out past the perimeter of your camp, and you see what look to be a pair of green feline eyes gazing back at you from a distance. Hmm. I'm just going to make note of them and kind of casually watch. A good five minutes pass. Ten minutes. Twenty minutes. An hour passes. They're still there. As long as they're not moving or doing anything, I'm just going to maintain my post. Your watch passes, and towards the end, you hear a noise that sounds like a flurry of pistons and servos. An unfortunately familiar mechanized panther rises. You can make out its shape, but then bounds off into the forest. Glad it wasn't another dang vision. And that will bring us to the end of your watch. I'm not sure if there's any discussion about who is taking second watch, but you know in your time in the military and whatnot that it is about time that you get some rest if you want to be rested tomorrow. I'm going to go wake up Grom. Hey, love. I'll get up to take my watch. Hey, real quietly before you leave the tent, I'll mention feel something off about Brax and Valreal. I don't know, they're kind of acting shady acting shady or just nervous about what the hell they might have gotten themselves into. Well, in the time that we've known us, since when does Brax meditate? Well, actually, I think I've seen him go out a couple times. I always just figured he was scouting. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like they're hiding something. Well, if you don't feel right about him, I'll keep an eye. I think Mermelnir finally fell asleep, too, so... I'll be honest... I'd be shocked if there was anyone in our group that wasn't acting weird. Good point. Maybe I'll just allow them to have their weirdness if they allowed us to have ours. That's fine. Just given the situation of the day, I would rather have you be the guard for the moment. 
Hey, it must be a pretty rough time if you're looking for a one-eyed guard, but I'll do my best. And with that, I'll raise the tent flap and go out to take my spot. Good night. Brax, what are you doing out in the woods? So I would have uh, gone out probably about 100 yards or so where I can still see the fire, but they can't, you know, where I can. And uh, I'd try to look for a, a log or a stump that I can put that stone on. I'm basically just be like, you know, yelling at, not yelling at the stone, but come on, you stupid stone. <laughs> work for me. Grom makes you work. Why can't you work for me? You know, kind of pick it up, shake it every once in a while, kind of do that thing for... How much time do you want to spend with this? I would say that probably like an hour, two hours maybe is what I think I would do unless I got lost in it somehow. And that seems long. Like two hours seems long. I yeah. can see that. Well, let's find out. Let's have an Arcana roll. I would also take a religion roll if you are proficient in it. I got a 13. In Arcana? Yep. All right. You don't get lost in it like you did the first time you tried. But there's something about it that is unfamiliar and it's intriguing to you. And I think that intrigue is enough to kind of keep you out there just a little bit longer. So we're going to say that once they switch watches, you can come back to camp if you want. Okay. Uh, what you found out about the stone is that you've attuned to magical things before in the past. And this, albeit, is very different, but it's almost like you found that little thread that you can pull on to get it to cooperate to maybe maybe if you can unravel that thread just a little bit more then maybe you can find that attunement although the term attunement you'd feel like doesn't really apply to this thing but i don't know it's just weird you feel like you've made some progress especially compared to the last time the progress that you've made you can feel you're not quite sure why and you're not quite sure how to explain it but it is definitely illusion magic cool you're not quite sure how you can get it to benefit you, but you feel like you're on the right track. Yes, yeah, so I'd, I'd, uh, after that, I'd get up and scoop it up and start walking back towards the fire. I would not conceal it until I got to the horse, if that makes any difference. Well, let's have a perception roll from Grom. I'd most likely be looking at it as I walk to the horse. Another not one. I'm two for two. I got a little caught up in my woodland. So as you approach the camp. There was a moment where, oh, Grom's Tyler is not there. What? How long has it been? Oh, crap, Grom's in. You conceal the stone. And you think, that was close. Did he see me? And no, you see him focused on his project, his his arts and crafts. Are you sleeping? At this point, I'm sleeping. Yes, and you have no problem seeing Valryl propped up by the wagon. Uh, so I put the stone away, and then I guess I'll go sit by the fire. Hey, Brax. Hey, how, I thought V was going to be up. How... How'd you get roped into this? Funny you should ask. Take a seat. Oh, I already was sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're quieter than I thought. Just gotta look up from that whittling sometimes, man. Well, uh, you get stuck on a good curve. Uh, well, damn, I should be paying more attention. You got right up on me. <laughs> I better put this away. Put my stuff away. Well, I don't know what's going on rightly. But I know that you have sparked Tyler Lore's interest. Now I know we've got ourselves a pretty odd group here. And I think you're pretty odd yourself. But I don't think you mean anybody any malice. But I do think you've got a good eye for fucking with people. So I'll allow your, you your weirdnesses, since you've been really good about allowing us ours. But I gotta warn you, if I find out for one second that you mean any of us any harm, I'll kill you. Well, jeez, I, uh... First of all, I'm not gonna, I don't mean no harm. I, I joke every once in a while, I ain't, ain't no harm. 
but that's it. That's all it is, is a joke. I figured. But Tyler Laura, she's been through a lot lately. So, uh, I'd say just give her some understanding. Well, maybe she needs to have some pranks pulled on her, like, uh, we used to tie people's boots together. You know, when they, <laughs> so they wake up, they'd, they'd trip over. You think she'd think that was funny? Maybe she starts laughing and she'll get us on our side. Well, I'd say whatever you're gonna do, uh, make sure that she can't reach you. But I do agree she could use a good laugh. But you've been warned. She's fast. <laughs> I just try to hide behind V whenever I, whenever something goes off. Yeah, I've been seeing you all tucked behind that giant gold lizard. I would have thought you'd have found better hiding spots. He's pretty big, though. He, I mean, they see him, not me, so it's it works out. Hey, I'll give you that. <laughs> well, you better go off and get some rest as well. It's been a long day of travel for everybody. I appreciate that. I will. I'll, I'll get up and I'll mosey over to a tent. I'll continue my watch, but without whittling. Uh, let's have a wisdom saving throw. 14. All right. To stay awake, no problem. Let's have a perception. And this is where it goes wrong. That to be another nat one to go with the 20. Know what's Time going to on. switch your dice. <laughs> yeah, that one doesn't like me. There's a lot of natural ones today. What is happening here? Well, I got a four at least. Oh, two ones. I might as well have been with them. As you sit intent on paying attention to the perimeter of the camp, my mind spirals off in the thoughts of Nerma, and I stop paying attention to everything around us. True, but lucky for you, your watch passes without incident, and it does come the moment where you have spent many a night taking watches, where you feel it is time to swap out if you want to be rested tomorrow. As my attention finally comes back into focus when I've failed to wrangle it all evening, I'm going to recognize how terrible I've been on duty, and I'm going to go and I'm going to wake up Valril for his watch, and I'll just shake his foot until he sits up. Hey, it's what, your what, turn. What? All right. Well, I guess I'll try to stay awake this time. Don't want to anger the other lizard. Well, I gotta say, it's a hard evening for it. So I get up and go sit by the fire. And I'm off to bed. And the bear is still there, right? For now. (laughs) And so on and so forth. You are with a sleeping Mirmonir and a sleeping bear. So let's have a wisdom saving throw. That's 10. Oh, that's not bad. Say it better be good. I'm not in the mood for any of anything right now. 10's fine. Let's have a perception roll. 19. A majority of your watch passes without incident. However, there is a moment where all of a sudden, all of the nighttime forest sounds fall silent. The insects, the frogs, the periodic avian contributions, they just stop. And then the sound of something large startles you. There is solace in the fact that it is far off, but it is definitely loud enough for concern. You hear what you believe to be bipedal footsteps booming through the forest. The noise is accompanied by the crashes and cracks that you expect would result from something massive making its way through a heavily wooded area. The steps continue for a time, and then a roar issues forth from the distance. An unearthly snarling roar answers the initial utterance, and what can only be described as the sounds of dire combat pervade the night. 
It continues long enough that you start to speculate the extent of the exhaustion of the combatants when the noise ceases. The forest is eerily silent for several minutes when all of a sudden the night sounds resume. So I'm just sitting there by myself, nobody awake. You're surprised because there was there were some good noises there. Actually, let's have a collective perception roll. Let's see if anybody did wake up. 12. 19. 17. 8. Anybody over 15, which is Mirmanir and Brax, did get startled awake by some of those combat noises. Yeah, I'll, I'll point, point my head out the tent if I start looking around, see if I see anything. There's no immediate threat. Uh, these noises are definitely far off, but as I described, they are between something something big out there is fighting. So I would crawl up at that point and kind of look over and see who's taking watch because I have no clue. Yeah, you see Velril. And I look and I see him. I was like, Brax, did you did you hear that? Yeah, you hear that? I'm trying to just ignore it. Like, my eyes would have flittered open, but I'd try to just go back to sleep. I guess he gives no shits about what we heard, right? Yeah, no joke. He, he just wakes up, looks around, and goes back to sleep. You hear, is it still there? I, I don't hear it anymore. I just heard it for a few minutes, and then it was gone. I think you guys both listen to it for a minute, and then and then it stops. Do you have any idea what that could have been? Shoot, no. I, no clue. I it don't sounded know. big, though. Yeah, really big. But we probably shouldn't wander off to go look at it just yet. Or do you want to? What time is it? It's still before sunrise, but it is the wee hours of the morning. And you would know that if you got up now and did something, then, well, mechanically, you'd, you'd have a point of exhaustion. Well, I don't think that's... I don't think we get to it. It sounded pretty far, but I'm not, I guess if it's not going to go off again, I don't even know which direction it was totally in. But I'll just, uh, I'll stay up with you for the rest of the watch, though. I appreciate that. So I will just go over the log and take my point of exhaustion. You sit next to your friend, and then there is a point where the sun peaks over the horizon and almost mildly startlingly. Brownie's gone. There Damn. it went. Where do you think that is went? Do you see him? Oh, his big attitude of a bird, little bird, probably poofed somewhere. Maybe that's what we heard in the woods. <laughs> big old attitude walking around. Probably. The last few hours of your watch pass without incident, and everybody can start to wake up and proceed to get ready for the day and what it brings. Oh. I got a full rest. And everybody except Brex. Healed up. You'll get five hit die of... Yep. Plus your con to each, so... I get up and I stretch, gather myself, start breaking down the tent and packing that all up. When I wake up, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to grab at the wrist straps around my arm, and I'm just going to tear them off and throw them into the fire. And then I will make my way to Mr. Snugglebottoms to begin getting him ready for the day. I don't think anybody has any problem noticing that. Mm-mm. Well, that, that's pretty interesting right there. That's, uh, I think that's a big deal. Uh, I'll hop up, kind of look over at Mirmanar over there, and then kind of, I'll just slowly go over, like, I'm going to take care of the horses and see if I can't just kind of test the waters and see how he is with me over there. <laughs> yeah, you guys are both over by the horses now. I'm just making breakfast. How do you think he's going to be all right? I think it's hard to, he's not going to be alright until he knows Nirma at least is okay. But I'm pretty sure his god pretty much just made the choice for him. 
Sounds like you stayed up to here more than I did. Mm. Care to catch me up? Not so much. He didn't talk while you guys were sleeping. With that, I'm going to nudge a big chunk of the coal out of the fire and start getting it to cool off on the ground next to the fire. All I know is what he mentioned about Nerma and Mayola. I suggested when we get to the next town, we can send a message to Grunzander to make sure Nerma's okay. As she's telling me this, I'm getting out a wooden bowl out of my pack and starting to get out some of my blue paint and mix that all up and start to work on a little concoction there while we're chatting. So I will uh, just kind of wait around until Mjolnir makes eye contact with me, if that ever does happen. I'm very focused on my task of making sure the horse has the proper things done and making sure he's getting ready for the day. So that is my primary focus. We're all aware of human nature. So I'm going to roll a die to see whether or not you inadvertently... It was just long enough that Brax is about to about to give up, and then there was just a fleeting. Just, oh, hey, hey, uh, gotta get you some new bracers, huh? What what happened to the the old ones? I thought, what happened to those ones? Well, I've turned my back on my God. I've failed to protect those I care about. I need to try and let go of the past. Well, uh, what what do you mean you like it turned your back on them? What is that? Uncut, what do you mean? Why would you do that? He is no longer my god. Well, I, th- I think that's fair enough, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I-, I sure as hell wouldn't stick around for somebody that was treating me that way either. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, too. Uh, the past is in the past, right? So we'll just go on forward. And I'll go over and I'll try to, I'm going to try to pat him on the back again. Right, buddy? Once we started talking, I'm going to start paying a little more attention to him. But once I see him started to walk over and put a hand up, I'm just going to kind of step away. All right, all right. I was just I was just going to try to heal you up a little bit. You still look a little bit a little scratched up, but... I'm fine. I'll start paying attention to my horse then. All right, you guys uh, strike camp. A little bit of tension, a little bit of awkwardness. But for the most part, um, it seems like you guys have been working together for a few days. You efficiently load up. Before we load up, whenever Marmulner gets back to camp, I'm going to take the cooled ash that I took out of the fire and mix some of that in my bowl with the blue paint. And then after I get that mixed in, after chanting for a while, make a slice across my hand and squeeze my blood into the mixture as well. And after I get that stirred up and finish my chanting, I'll mark that across my eyes, blackening the area out behind my eyes, and then I'll bring my bucket over to bring my bowl over to Murray and uh, Mermel in there and hold it out to you. If you're hunting a god, this will hide you from their visage. So my people believe. No, thank you. Fair. You want them to see you coming? I can respect that. Yeah. A warrior's death it is. I'm gonna hold the bucket over to you, or hold the bowl over to you, Tyler Lore, if you're interested. Sure. Black in your eyes? Fuck yeah, we're gonna look savage. I'll uh, mimic what I watched Grom do. Right, after that, we can strike camp. Go ahead and take one hit point of damage for your uh, hand slice. You see this shit, V? He's hiding from gods. He's letting everybody else hide from gods, but he's not offering it to us. What is, what is that? If I caught that. <laughs> I guess we're not cool enough to hang out with them, right? To be hidden from the gods? I guess we're hanging out with them, but... Well, to be fair... I wasn't suspecting you would want to fight one with us. Well, if one's coming to attack you, I, don't, I want to be hidden. 
let you fight. I'm going to hide. <laughs> I'll hold the bowl over. Oh, sweet. I'll put some on. I'll hold it over to Valryl as well. No, thanks. I'm an assassin. I hide in the shadows. Hi. <laughs> I just want to see if you'd offer it to me. I don't know if it'd be enough to cover all those gold scales anyway, but I'll be standing right behind you next to Brax. <laughs> <laughs> this seems to be a pretty good spot. <laughs> and with that, I'm going to roll up to the front and put some on. Mr. Snuckle Bottoms. Roll animal handling. Not one. <laughs> I don't know what's going on today. <laughs> you approach Mr. Snuckle Bottoms, and he is immediately suspicious of your intention. I just scratch his ear for a second. Whisper sweet nothings. He bites you. Two, two hit points for the bite. Two hit points from mouth to mouth with a horse. <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck you, horse. <laughs> Throw the bull off the side. I won't lose tears over your corpse. He glanced at him. <laughs> he's, he's looking at the bowl that you threw. Damn it, I didn't mean it, horse. Go pick up my bowl. Load up. I'm out. Let's do it. You finish striking camp. Get the horses situated. Calm down. You move back onto the road. Head in the direction of Ekana, which you know to be not too far away. And continue on. What's our marching order going here again? Are we all close enough to be able to talk? Yeah, I'd say so. I don't see any reason that we'd be in, out in the lead, like, too far, right? I was planning to go out in the lead. Were you? Yeah. Oh, I'd, I'd follow you then, yeah. Yeah. We gotta talk about it. We gotta talk about it, yeah. So yeah, we would uh, we would have started up. Probably not with an earshot. It Brax, uh, I assume you went off the woods to take a peek at those stones last night? Yeah, I looked at that, uh, that purple one again, but, man, I can't really figure it out. It, uh... You know, I told you last time it was speaking like a weird language. This time I felt like I was, like, hooking it with a fish, but I couldn't quite get the bite. So you got nothing nothing new, nothing more out of them? Uh, well, Grom told me it was uh, illusion stuff, and I kind of felt that as well, but no, not really. What is your uh, end game with these stones? You want to keep them or just continue to figure it out and decide once we know what, exactly what they are? Yeah, man, we got well, we to gotta figure out what they are because I think these are, these are kind of big deal. Like, uh... Some pretty important people want these, so that's where, I don't know, we just got to kind of hang out to them, I think, and see see what it turns out to be. All right. Uh, guess we got to be a little bit more sneaky about trying to figure out, because it seems like they're getting on us. You think so? Yeah. Tyler was kind of asked me questions last night, kind of looking around when you snuck off, so we got to be a little bit more stealthy. All right, all right. I, th- I thought I got out of there quick, but... All right, I'll, I'll try to pay attention. Yeah, it took a little bit to get her off our trail, but it did work a little bit. <laughs> Good job. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I'll definitely, uh, maybe I'll just uh, play it cool with these rocks for a little bit. That sounds good. I fell asleep again, just so you know. You should stop doing that so fast. <laughs> yeah. I apologize. I was tired. I forgive you. Yeah, I just, yeah, I just can't piss off that big lizard again. <laughs> That's what I was worried about. Next time I'll kick him in his dragon nuts. Oh, perception. <laughs> I didn't hear shit. Okay. I rolled a one. Well, you follow the path as it rounds a hill. And as you do, a small village of what you assume to be Ekana comes into view. There's a quaint looking place with buildings nestled in amongst various copses of trees and rolling hills. The land around you is lush. Every bush, every tree is full and healthy. You see an amount of farmland as well as you continue towards the village. Agriculture has never been a strong suit for you, save maybe Brax, but you know bumper crops when you see them. 
You don't immediately see workers in the fields, but you do, interestingly enough, see automatons here and there. Large constructs easily twice the height and size of even the largest of your party. Even a significant distance away, you can see the massive machines are occupied by field work. Well, would you look at that? I've never seen anything like it. Hmm. Maybe we can get you a new high here. I was just getting used to this one. Uh, it's not that bad. I'm getting used to it. What I'd really like to do is see if I can find out something about that Asrulian's tooth here. Whoever can create these things must have some vast, <laughs> some vast knowledge. And hopefully it'll spread to the other realms as well. If not, maybe we could get one of these giant damn robots. Big enough to fight a demon. Or not. <laughs> I still like the squirrel too. As you guys were getting ready to leave the camp, tell her the squirrel that was on your shoulder. Once it saw Mirmolnir was up and around, it... Up on Mirmolnir's shoulder. Yep, I'm just letting it climb on and tag along. It's not intrusive. You're getting things figured out, Knuckles? I don't know. But they seem pretty wound up. What do you want to do about it? We need to get word to Grinzander and find out if Nirma's okay first, I think. Kill a god. Probably that too. Well, how do you suppose we find one of those? I think when I shatter his statue, he'll come looking. <laughs> I like it. It's as grand a plan as we've had. Well, time to start asking around about the statue then. I'm going to look at the squirrel and ask, where is the statue? Well, you think he knows. Well, I suppose asking him is as good as anybody. Well, squirrel. That's right, I never told anyone the squirrel is now a compass. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone just saw me look at my squirrel asking a question and they're thinking, he's gone crazy. Right, makes as much sense as asking anybody else here. Um, upon asking the squirrel a question, the squirrel sits up with an attentiveness that seems to be uncharacteristic of a squirrel. But then it crouches down. It puts up a little hand as two little fingers are pointing, and and it is pointing to the southeast. Statues that way. Which you are traveling right now in kind of a south-southwest direction. So it's actually, if you're traveling south-southwest, it points almost perpendicular to the road. Well, that's the direction Narma's in. Two birds, one stone. Is it? Roughly, yeah. I, I, I have lost track of my geography. According to my map, I had it upside down last time, so I threw you for a loop, but I figured it out. That little thing just, just point, that little that little squirrel just point. Did I see that? Maybe I should ask that first. Real perception. Nat 20. Did that little squirrel's point? Did that, did that little squirrel just point? He did. You just ask the question and it can point, huh? That doesn't mean it's there. <laughs> That's, that's of course good, it could point any damn where. That's a good point right there. It's probably a, a whole bunch of nuts or something over there. <laughs> I saw a tree with a hole in it or something. I don't know. Aunt Marion told me that the squirrel will point to what I am seeking. Well, aren't you just full of surprises? There seem to be a, a lot of things you don't seem to be sharing with a group normally. Is there anything else we should know about besides your telepathy, your wings, and your damn magic squirrel that points at whatever you want? Nothing I can think of that's pertinent to our current goals. Well, thank goodness. Does it tell you uh, how far it is? As far as I know, it acts 
like a compass, just points. Well, isn't that quite the handy little thing? Mm-hmm. So you could just ask it where Medlack is, then. I can try. Or Nerma. I don't know. Maybe I'll ask it later. I think right now we should just get to the town and get our business done so we can continue on the road. Well, I've got some questions to ask in there. Plus, we're almost out of food. Um, also, we roll near. You're not quite sure why, but you feel like you probably shouldn't push the squirrel and maybe only one question per day. You feel you would get an accurate response. That's why it didn't appoint me to a lie I never crossed. I overloaded it. <laughs> Eventually, you approach the village proper and are greeted by this... St- I can't believe we're here. <laughs> Wait a second. Wait a second. What does that tree look like over there? <laughs> Eventually, you approach the village proper and are greeted by the standard infrastructure of a thriving community. It's a busy little town. The populace is predominantly gnomish in nature. For the most part, it appears to be business as usual in this small farming community. It's about uh, late morning. Two taverns, one with the symbolism of two humanoids, one about half the size of the other one. The other offering a front porch with two separate entrances opposite each other. There is no iconography, but there is a sign that declares the name of the establishment to be Us and Them. As you draw closer, you see a sign on each of the doors that both declare, Closed for repairs. Thanks a lot, Raston. You are stricken by the observation that several small things seem slightly out of the ordinary. That one there, he's walking with a limp. Well, that's not so strange. That other one, selling him vegetables, she's missing an arm. And that one there seems really overdressed for the the pleasant day that it is. Let's have a perception roll. Fifteen. Grom, you do not need disadvantage on this one. Ten. Eleven. Eight. Uh, Fifteen. Grom, you think you catch a familiar whiff of decay. The rest of you, the day is pleasant, and a gentle breeze brings the sense of the surrounding nature to you. I also rolled a 15. Tylor, you think you catch a familiar whiff of decay? Well, that's a foul smell. It's very subtle. I'm up on the front of the wagon? Yeah, you tell me. I am. (laughs) (laughs) So I was up there just talking to Mermilner. I just want to look around and look for any signs of carrion anywhere. Roll perception. Disadvantage. 21. You heard me say disadvantage, right? I did. Well, that's unfortunate because there's no really evidence of any dead eating animals, birds, whatever, around. Hey, do you smell that? It smells like sickness. Once he says it out loud to the rest of you, you think you might catch a whiff of what he's talking about? Um, I don't know. Wait, no, that's tea tree oil. Yeah, maybe. Do you smell anything, Brax? Not really, no. I don't really smell much. You smell good today, Brett. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Anytime. How about you, Mermelnir? Do you smell anything? I just uh, shake my head no. That damned old horse. Maybe it'll clear out in a moment. Well, then, uh, what do you think the best place to be asking people for information is? Don't you think all these people look a little strange? Well, it just looked like the folks that we met up at the Upper Dispucia. Why are so many of them missing parts? Why are they so short? Oh, don't don't be saying that very loud now. Everybody's short next to you, you damned lizard. You look like a mountain. What do you expect? <laughs> but I see a whole lot of missing arms and legs. That one over there is walking all weird. Nobody in this town except our us is not missing something. Don't be talking too fast now. <laughs> do you think Auntie Marion is collecting from all these folks? Oh, that would make sense. Taking her payment in blood? 
Is that where all these little, uh, these little autonomous, these robot things come from? Automaton? How do you say that? I think you've got it. Automaton. 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 There you go. Robots. As you look around, like I said, this kind of the standard infrastructure. There's a blacksmith. There's shops here and there. There's kind of an open market. It is a nice day. The taverns don't necessarily look like they house inns as well, but a quick glance around tells you that, oh, there's an inn there. So those two businesses are separated for whatever reason. Are almost everyone in this town gnomes? Or am I seeing any other races as well? For now, gnomes. What kind of attention are we drawing as we're entering You're, you're town? getting some glances. Am I noticing any type of uh, guard or watch or anything like that? Roll me a perception. Nine. You see... Maybe that little guy out, outside of the general store. He might be in a he might be in a municipal service type of uh, station. Now Grom doesn't know what the hell you're talking about. Is he the guard or not? Maybe it's a fancy little badge you got there. It's uh, not so much a badge as there's a couple that are wearing an open weapon and they're dressed similarly. And by similarly, I mean a blue cloak. What do you mean by open weapon? A sword on their hip. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know if these things were gonna have like laser rifles or. <laughs> What the hell, like net guns? That's a good point. And we'll just go with swords on the hip for now. All right, yes, you are garnering a fair amount of sidelong glances, but nobody has stepped up to approach you. Let's find a place to pull over, I suppose, and tie up. Yeah, so I, uh, go up to probably the inn, right? Yeah, the tavern. Not, yeah, the tavern, tavern, yeah. Kind of thirsty. Go up there. and I'm assuming you don't go to the one that has the clothes for repairs sign on the door. Probably not. Can't because of what's his face. Raul. That's what I said. <laughs> uh, you approach the door and notice that it is indeed, the door is indeed gnome-sized. And above, mm. above it, there's a sign that proclaims, four foot or below entrance only, all others go around. And look over at these two damnable <laughs> lizards. Well, you two are fucked. <laughs> yeah, laughing that I was 5'8 before, you damn giants. Now who's laughing? <laughs> Start strolling around. Start the actually paying attention to the height of the buildings. Are are they gonna fit into any of these? I'll just take the roof off. <laughs> I guess we're going around the back. Fair enough. Yep. I will follow Valrail around the back. Okay. All right. Have you dismounted, or are you still yeah I'll driving tie the horses it. and whatnot? Tied off the horse. We'll say for the ease of progression. There's a place. Uh, there's a water trough. You can tie off horses and whatnot up front. All right. You go around back, and you see a normal size entrance. And as you enter, you see a tired-looking old white-haired gnome sitting at a desk, focused on paperwork of some sort. The only other decor in the room are several chairs opposite of the gnome, all of which are empty. He's momentarily startled by you, but he looks up and says, Huh, looking to get into the wee giant then, huh? Seems that way, yes. Yeah, yes, sir. The wee giant. I like it. Where are you hail from? Most recently. Aconite Long journey then, huh? I want to check this fella out. Is he uh, missing any parts, or does he seem to have any augmentation? No. No parts that you can see. <laughs> so, uh, I just need your signature right here, and then you may make your way through the door. Hi. Why do you need our signature? It's standard release procedures. Release of what? Oh, it's so you don't... Well, um, you've not been here before, have you? No. No. All right, well, you're going to walk through that door, and uh, you're going to feel a little tingle. But then once you're in, you're going to have a fantastic time with the wee giant. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean by that? Why do I feel a tingle? Well, it's the size reduction. Wait. 
It makes us small to go in there. Indeed. How else do you think we're going to fit everybody in there? Do we get back again when we come out? Oh, absolutely. You, of course, have to pay the five silver exit fee at the exit. Wait, to get out or to be grown big again? Yes. So you could leave (laughs) without growing big again? I mean, if you want. Uh, Strapping man like you, I don't know why you would choose that. How small can you make a person? Like, if they just... If you kept coming back in... Oh, the magic only stacks. <laughs> so many times. Well, it, I guess we really even tried that. About to be a seven-inch barbarian. Which brings us to the release. So we, do we sign this? How about me and this big guy right here just break down that wall? No, guys. Can you just deliver food out here? Wait, would it be little food or big food? If you're making food in there, does it start off as little food? What happens when we come out? Does it get small again? Am I going to be hungry if I leave? <laughs> Full of questions. <laughs> Wait, you have a place that shrinks people and you don't usually have a bunch of questions? (laughs) (laughs) You must have quite the reputation. I can't say we've ever had any complaints. I didn't say I was necessarily complaining, but curious. I'll sign it, I guess. Yeah, sure. Yep, right there. Scroll something on the paper. I'll watch you go in. Go through the door. Yep, you open the door and you walk in and close the door behind you. Did I... Did he shrink as he walked past the door? Nope. I guess he shrinks at the second door. Are you in love? It's the exit fee that gets me. I'm going to grab my thumb and put it in their little ink pad and just mark my thumb on the paper and roll in. Enjoy your time. (laughs) A little. All right, real quick, Brax, as you close the door behind you, there's not really a tingle, but there's about a 10-foot hallway there. And as you proceed down, your perspective starts to change you know imagine the little willy wonka thing except you are actually reducing size and you find yourself you reach the door i'm short and then you walk back to the other door and you grow and you go back and forth a couple times to test it out and it's it's in the hallway it's gradual and yes he's right there is a little tingle a little lightheaded yep so do you go through the second door yes i do go through the second door (laughs) (laughs) yeah i go through the second door grum enters the little hallway and does not see Brax. Brax has already exited. I'm going to grab the pen and I'm just going to put a line across it since I've never had to sign or write anything before. Do you even know how to write? No. <laughs> I am illiterate. Uh, I guess I'm walking through the door. Well, I guess if me when he was going in, I'm going to go in. So I just kind of do the same thing. In we go. Oh, you have very similar signatures. That's interesting. It must be because you do, 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 have fun. We should have brought in the horse tiny horse we could have miniature horse for five silver does it shrink us all to the same height or do we maintain our proportions and relativeness to each other compared to the rest of them my signature is real neat and clean show off <laughs> oh Tyler Lore. enjoy yourself thank you you emerge you are not all the exact same height nor are you proportional Oh, no. It's almost that you are inversely proportional. So the two dragonborns, the six foot, six and a half footer and the seven footer, are about three and a half foot range, while the rest of you are between three and a half to four feet. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're cute. So that's what <laughs> the top of your head looks like. Don't worry, we'll take care of you. Just wait till we get out of here. <laughs> you need help seeing up onto the counter, you let me know. They probably got a booster seat for you. 
That'll give you a boost. Uh, I want to take in the patrons here. What do we got around this room here? What's going on in this place? Well, we, I shall start with this first table. You see a young gnome, female. A blue feathered hairpiece accents her dark hair. Her simple clothes and dirt smudges on her face suggest she may have just come from the fields. She absently puffs on a pipe as she engages her companions. Next to her, this gnome sports several earrings in her ears which accompany a few bejeweled ornaments in her dark braided hair. Her necklace is crafted using a bird skull as the centerpiece, and her brown eyes seem to hold some sort of mystery. With them, a jovial gnome dressed in blues with accents of red. He has a perpetual bemused countenance, and his white hair is combed stylishly. There is an array of blades on his belt, but you can easily assume that the well-worn loot by his side is his most important possession. Well, we know which one's the bard. What's the... Well, I suppose... Hmm... What do I want to do here? <laughs> go to the bar and get a drink? Yeah, I just wait for V to come out, and as soon as he came there... I'll go to the head of the bar. As you walk to the bar, a black-haired gnome with well-groomed sideburns looks at you. He sports a fancy-looking tunic and white gloves on each of his hands. He attentively surveys the establishment with an affable attitude. And as you approach, he says, ah, Welcome to the Wee Giant. What can I do for you? Well, for starters, I'd like to try one of those pastries. Absolutely. I've had nothing but trail rations for the last couple of days. Ah, my condolences. Welcome to Ekinaw. Oh, let me look around. Are there any, any races other than gnomes in this? There is. There is one dwarf. The only bearded person in the place. You see a blonde-haired dwarf with a leather strap holding some sort of a monocle over his right eye. He has not bothered to take off his smith's apron, and his left arm is either encased in impressively constructed armor, or is indeed made of metal. I want to take a good look at our the barkeep here and see if he's got any cybernetics or anything that I can notice. Roll perception. Ten. Not that you can see. Taking a while to get used to this damned eye. <laughs> what was your name, friend? Oh, I'm DeVito. Nice to meet you, DeVito. Uh, I think that we'll have some ale if we could, please. Absolutely. So one pastry and five ales? Sure. Does everybody else want ale? I will take an ale. Sure. Coming right up. Two pastries. Two pastries. He goes about his business, getting you your ale and pastries. Damn, that thing looks delicious. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go sit by that fire, actually, I think. Take my ale and go up by the fire. At any rate, he is very efficient in his uh, service. He... Uh, there you go. And he almost has a little salt bay flare at the end. Thank you. Oh, pleasure is all mine. Well, will you be running a tab? Aye. Yes. Yeah. All right. Bear in mind, the exit is such you can't run out on your tab. So what's going on in this town? Oh. How come so many folks have the missing pieces? I don't believe I catch your meaning, he says as his eyes narrow at your question. Yeah, I want to I wanna know that too, actually. I, wa- I want to know that too. <laughs> You're being a little impolite. <laughs> Why so? You can't have a whole town of people with all kinds of robot parts and not ask people to ask questions. I'm fascinated. No disrespect. Roll persuasion. Nat 20. Ooh, switched it up. He levels a hard gaze at you, and then his eyes soften, and he says, What can we say? Artificing is a dangerous job. And that's what we do here in Ekanaw. Fascinating. I was curious if I had anything to do with Aunt Marion out on the edge of town. She seems to charge a heavy price for some of her services. And I kind of hold my hand over my eye for a second. Hmm. So you've been to Aunt Marion, then? Do you understand? She brings quite the boon. 
Oh, you don't have to tell me twice. I got good value for what I paid. Mm. It just seemed like this is the place to go if you need Aunt Miriam's help. Well, then I say that you potentially understand the situation. You seem to be a little prickly at the beginning there. It seems like it would be a busy day, busy day. Well, sorry, I didn't. Apologies, apologies. Welcome to Ekinor. Please, make yourself at home. Hey. Stuff and kind of check the place out for a second. Where are you sitting? Uh, just at the up at the bar there. I'll also take a seat at the bar, and I'm gonna drink my ale very fastly. <laughs> I'm gonna t- sit down on the other side of Grum. He says, "Walter, little fella, you need an, you be needing another one." Yes. All right, <laughs> keeping them coming. Never thought I would hear anybody refer to Mermelnir as little. I'll be honest, he's kind of cute like that. <laughs> And the second ale, basically the first ales that he served you were pint glasses. This next one he gave you was like a stein. And I'm drinking it down too. And I'm going to walk over and go sit in the other couch. Did he say what? Why they the missing all the parts? I couldn't hear. Apparently the heavy price over at Miriam. Oh. You know, you see what happened to Grom. All right. They're probably doing the same kind of bidding over there. So you think we're going to find information for tracking down Medlock here? Well, Davido. Hey. Who would be the wisest people to talk to in this town if a guy had some heavy questions that needed answered? Maybe needing a little bit more to go on. Well, I need a library of sorts. Hmm. Don't have a lot of book learning in this town. Oh, really? We got some pretty prolific artificers, though. Got a pretty solid blacksmith. Pretty got a pretty solid. Oh, we got a good little community here. Do we need a library for that? Who makes the grandest weapons? <laughs> Dermolier over there is uh, pretty proficient. That Dervan fella. Dermolier. Dermolier. Yeah, the dwarf over there. The, go- the one with the beard. Yeah, the Dervan fella. Sure. <laughs> What's he drinking? He's drinking the devil spit. Hey, grab me two of those, please. All right. Buckle up. <laughs> he takes a, a bottle out from underneath the bar, and it has a skull and crossbones on it. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> glick, 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 glick. Glick, 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 glick. He pours two rocks glasses with no ice, neat, and hands it to him. Fortune favors the bold. <laughs> but quick question. So I know we shrunk. What does that do to our tolerances? Oh, that's the fun. Good luck to you. Uh, <laughs> and he intentionally turns his attention from you. Pick him up, buy the ticket, take the ride. <laughs> Gonna walk over to that Dervin fella. This is great because I don't even know my tolerances to begin with, so it's just going to be a wild fucking ride. <laughs> At least you're small right now, so you ain't going to break nothing. You want to bet? Yes. I just realized I have my wing ability back. I can start flying drunk. It looked like you were flying drunk last time. I'd be more impressed to see you fly sober for a change. <laughs> fly sober or get pulled over. <laughs> the long arm of Casodros. The entire time everything else is going on, I'm just drinking till... I start to go numb. All right, as you approach the table that has the dwarf. We should not have offered to have a tab. We ain't getting out of here. Oh, shit. All right, you see at the table where the dwarf is, you see a gnome, an older gnome with two earrings in his left ear. You can see that his white hair is balding even past the large pair of goggles sitting on his forehead. 
Across from him is a red-horned gnome with full lips and eyes of intense green. So intense you almost don't even see the massive scar that runs diagonally across her face. She wears a cloak with the hood pulled up and starker green hues only serving to further accentuate her eyes. You catch a glimpse of another smaller set of eyes peering out past her red hair from under her hood. You're not quite sure, but they seem to belong to a creature of weaselish persuasion. So we all the same size as these gnomes and dwarfs? Close to it. Do they they don't shrink? Nope. The gnomes seem to be the same size. Yeah. That's if, why they come in, in the other entrance. You you can deduce if you fit through the front door you maintain your original size. A gout of giggles erupt from the bard's table. Oh, I have nothing appropriate to say about that. <laughs> I realize as I get to the table, I've messed up. I didn't recognize that he's with these two other Folks, I should have got three drinks. Oh, well. well I'm already this far. Uh, roll insight. Eleven. Mm, yeah, within eleven. There's chairs in between them and him, so they could just be at the same table, just not with each other, but you're not 100% sure. I Well, I'm already over there. I'm going to put down uh, those two glasses of dragon spit, he said. Devil spit. Of devil spit. Howdy, Darf. I be grown. Come again? I said, howdy, Durf. I be Grom. Well, howdy, Durf, to you, my friend. <laughs> Fair. I suppose that's about right. We're both Durfs tonight. Well, if you say so. <laughs> so a little bird told me that you'd make the finest weapons in this village. Aye. I be a weaponsmith indeed. Well, I have a night of questions for you, good sir. So we better start off with some drinks. And then I'm going to... I like where your mind's at. Push one of these drinks over to him. And I'm going to raise the other one to him. I'm going to be carrying Grom out of here. <laughs> Clink! And I'm going to down it the best I can. Okay. He raises his glass. He says, Tathon mad! Fuck it, Tathon mad! <laughs> Clink! Who the hell is Thon bad? Who the hell is Thon bad? That's what I said. Who is Thon bad? The cl- founder of Clan Thon bad. Tathon bad! <laughs> try, try it again. He already drank his, so he's... Oh. <laughs> I'm trying to get mine down. That was <laughs> pretty fierce. Roll constitution. Seven. Oh, eight, nine, ten. It'll stay down, but it'll take a, it'll take a little bit of effort. That was a little stiffer than I was ready for. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. But I appreciate your attitude. Have a seat. <laughs> Do you sit next to the old white-haired guy or the next to the red-haired scarred girl? The old white-haired guy. He seems fucking wild. All right, real quick. What's everybody else doing? For Am I noticing Mermelonero down his alcohol? I would I would like to think that since we're, where I'm sitting, I would notice. I would like to think that your passive perception uh, handled that. So. <laughs> okay. I was say, I'm not trying to hide it in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, so with that, I am going to actively keep an eye on him and sip my drink. Uh, just reading the room, looking around, I turn to Brax. <laughs> I just feels kind of weird that they shrink us down to their level. Don't doesn't it feel kind of weird? It feels a little weird. You think they have to pay to get out, or is that just no? They get to go through that front door, so they don't they don't go through that crazy tingly room. I could just go through that front door though, right? Uh, you probably could, but you'd be the same size. Well, can I come back through though and just not pay, and then come back later on? You should give it a shot. <laughs> You're already the same size, so. But you got if you want to get big, you gotta, you gotta pay that five silver to get get back out yeah you're right i should try i'll try it real quick just you you make a distraction i'll sneak out okay so i'll get up 
with my drink too. I get up just stumbling around, crashing around. I'm just like I'm trying to get out the front door. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. DeVito comes over. He's like, hey, I'm going to need to ask you to get a hold of yourself. No, oh, sorry. Sorry, I'll go. I'm, I'm just trying to make my way over to my friend, the, the dragonborn over there. At the bar? Yes. Yeah, I lost my way. Sorry. I'm pretty straight shot. Well, yeah couple of these and I'm just pint sized right now it, it's really affecting me it really doesn't affect your coat I mean I, I, okay I'm just okay okay I'll calm down and this I, guy this guy is like a head taller than you right now I know <laughs> alright I'm just gonna go sit down I'm gonna go sit down next right, to my friend please do and please don't make a scene right, sorry we haven't had to throw anybody out of here since well there was that one instance with rest on I'm going to sit down and you're doing I was sneaking out the front door. Oh, roll stealth. Ten. Yes, you make your way to the to the front door. You see a few people kind of glance at you, but they're really not interested in what you're doing. When you get to the front door, and you're like, anybody? Anybody? I'll just go out the front door then. You open the door, walk out, because you're a smaller statue, and you walk out, and you are the same size as you were before you walked out the front door. I'll go back in. All right. I'll go to the bar then. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that wasn't, uh, I just I just left. No one even cared. Oh, really? Did you change size or you stay the same no, size? No, I stayed the same size. Hmm. Still don't feel comfortable. Maybe they just don't want us damaging stuff. You hear DeVito under his breath as he's polishing a glass say, Ah, tourists, they're so fun. <laughs> I'm going to go see what Grom's doing over here. He's talking to that, that blacksmith, I think. All right. All right, and at that point, we can say Brax comes walking up to the table. And that's when he told him he'd seen better beards on a troll's ass. <laughs> it was fucking. <laughs> hey, here's my friend Brax. Oh, Brax. I didn't hear that one. What... <laughs> I was just getting ready to ask my Durfin friend here. I've been hearing that you're the, the best weapon maker in this whole village. And I've tilt a couple Aye. back with you. And I believe it probably is true. You look like a tough son of a bitch. Aye. But my question is. Have you ever made something big enough that could kill a dragon? Aye. I hear it. You have got a dragon that needs killing. And I'm fixing to kill it. And at that point, the entire bar stops for just a moment and looks over to you. You heard me. That's my husband. Don't associate with him. (laughs) (laughs) But don't go telling me y'all have got a friendly dragon. I've never seen a whole town of dragon lovers. And I've got two of them that are pretty damn good friends of mine. <laughs> I came here with two dragons. What have you brought? Zero dragons. At that point, you hear the bard say, and then the two girls at his table. And then the revelry starts back up again. Would you mind telling me what that was about? He is serious. We are going to try. We are going to kill that dragon. Dragon, you say? Yeah, the the our dragon, the Rolf. Your dragon? My dragon? Don't tell me the dragon's an automaton. Oh my god, have you built yourself a dragon? <laughs> the dwarf says. <laughs> if not, could you build yourself a dragon? <laughs> 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 Calm down, friend. Calm down, friend. Does everybody know about this? Devito brings over two more glasses of devil spit. Can I borrow your dragon to kill a demon? <laughs> and the bard's like, oh, going on about demons now. His name is Asrulian. Asrulian. <laughs> I mean to find his tooth and kill him. 
Fantastic, fantastic. I was worried this afternoon was going to be boring. Here, I thought I was just going to try to find and kill a dragon, but now I want to see if I can borrow your dragon to kill a demon. I don't have a dragon. Don't you lie to me, Durf. (laughs) No, that's the bard. The bard's... Oh. Of course you don't have a dragon. You're a bird. (laughs) I'm talking to the Durf here. I'm I'm a what? I'm a what? You're a bird. And you're talking to the derf. Oh, fair. Dermalera, is this... That's, that's all you, my friend. Ah, come on. Thunbad. Yeah, Thunbad. Clank. There's no gonna, nobody going to address this dragon <laughs> issue. Damn, that was much stronger than I thought. Roll constitution. Six. <laughs> it's not going well. Oh, nine. I, I got a proficiency bonus for that. It, it stays down, but whew, man, that one got you. I don't. I better switch to water. Oh, you're pussing out on me, huh? That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm gonna win in a drinking contest with a derf? You're crazy. Look at my beard. I don't even have one. He looks to you, Brax. He says, "What is this this derf nomenclature?" Um, I, I don't know. I thought you guys were friends. I thought you knew each other. Dermalier, pleased. Oh, I'm Brax. Nice to meet you. Nice yeah, to meet you. Is this the first time I'm catching his name as Dermalier? No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. The, the bartender said, I'm drinking. <laughs> I got excited when you told me you built a dragon. Is there any chance I can overhear their conversation? Absolutely. When he asks about the dwar- dwarf, I look back and I say, I think he's meaning dwarf. <laughs> so you're racist. Not intentionally. I'm a what? I'm pretty fast. I'll beat you in a race. <laughs> All right, I see what's going I'm on here. I'm for speed, Durf. Ah, this will be a fun game. DeVito, bring the bottle. This one's on your tab, Durf. Oh, don't worry. Ha <laughs> it's going to be fun. Not tomorrow. Dermalier proceeds to procure a bottle of devil's spit. I'll go with the other stuff. That stuff down here took my shoes off. You want to hit me here for a long time or for a good time? I'm I sorry. The difference. <laughs> I, I, I misunderstood. I thought you said meow, 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 meow. <laughs> <laughs> No, then you understood perfectly. <laughs> you, Brax, are you drinking? Oh, yeah, you buying? I'll take a drink, of course. All right. Careful with that shit right there. You gotta tell me about this dragon, though. There's no dragon. You made a dragon. You... I did not make a dragon. But what do you Your know friend about made this that dragon? Up. Oh, why'd the whole room get quiet? Which dragon? I don't. Do you have more than one dragon? I'll kill one and leave you the robot one. We only have one dragon. And when he says that, there's another record scratch. But then the reverie starts again. Where, so where is that dragon at then? I'm sorry, were you talking oh, to me? Oh, should we take this first? Absolutely. You talk like a drunk person walks. Everywhere but where you're trying to go. You drink like a drunk person drinks. Tathanbad! 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 Clink. Oh, 17 on the die, so... For a constitution? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're good. All right, so let's check in with the other three. Kind of a little wobbly in my seat. I imagine by now I've kind of started to reach a point where I'm starting to become a little comfortably numb. Fair. And uh, DeVito has slipped you a little extra devil spit just because he has recognized what you're going for. Roll a constitution for that one. (laughs) Four. Yeah, you have a moment with yourself. I understand why you all drink now. Oh, my friend. The alcohol has sufficiently washed your frontal lobe and is working to help you to not feel the things that you're feeling and think the things that you're thinking. Valryl. Look at Marilyn here. So, what's bothering you so much? Looking over at him. 
I will say that when that alcohol washes your frontal lobe, people get a little bit more talky, so. Yeah, I'm figuring a little more talky and a little less controlled on what words slip from my mouth. Well, look at that. That's how alcohol works. Yeah, that's why I'm asking. Right now, you. Me? You and your disrespectful comments and took all I had not to snap your neck back at camp. Oof. Well, I did apologize for that. How many comments? I know the one, the one I fell asleep and disrespect your fallen friend. Uh, That's the one. Well, I I do sincerely apologize for that. I just want you to know that. Your apology doesn't wash away the memories or the... what I see and... The fact that you're trying to pin his death on himself. Well, I guess I... I do understand why you're severely upset. So I asked... DeVito for give him give him one more beer on me and uh, apologize and I get up and walk over to Brax and Grom to leave him by himself. What's going on, Grom? Looks like you had a little much to drink. I have had a lot too much to drink. You got right here. You got to try this devil spit shit. This is this is not good. <laughs> All right, slide me over one of them not good drinks. All right, the dwarf pours you one. Another friend of yours, then. Yeah, tell him about your dragon. That's Darfan, friend of ours. Built a robot dragon. He built a robot dragon? Oh, we're going to use it to kill a demon. Do you have this dragon? Yeah, he's got it. He's got it. The redhead at the end of the table <laughs> says, He didn't build a dragon. We found it. We found a dragon. Found a robot dragon. <laughs> Take his robot bones, use them on, on a demon. So dead. That, uh, that ground probably will slump. Do <laughs> <to> his seat. <laughs> Past his capabilities. But he was quite excited. So, Brax, is there really a robot dragon? There's not a robot dragon. <laughs> not sure what your friend was on about. He's I really <laughs> hope there is one because I want to see him use the bones to kill a demon. The robot bones? The bones of the... Ro- oh, this has turned into an interesting afternoon. That's just like a regular sword. That's what he said. He wanted to take them <laughs> apart. He, yes. <laughs> this guy, uh, the bearded guy, can make the weapons, right? He's a weapon maker. Out of the robot dragon, we can watch Grom kill the demon. <laughs> I like that. That's good. I don't think this robot dragon's real, though. I think Grom made that up. Uh, well, we're going to tell the stories. Oh, we're going to tell everybody we'll kill the robot dragon when we get home. Yes. Pretty sure. <laughs> the bard says, oh, I like stories. Yeah, I like stories too. Wait, what? Wait. Nah. What stories? What kind of stories you got? I don't know. What kind of stories you're making? I could write a song about it. Oh, you could write a song? Yeah. About a robot dragon. <laughs> Sounds hilarious. You should write that song. And I should be the hero mm. that kills the robot dragon. That kills the dragon. And flies at home. <laughs> what if the dragon's the hero? Like V? He could be the hero. Sure. Little three foot. Oh, we don't grow when we go kill this dragon? No, we do. I'm just saying right now, I'm just like flexing up because he said like this dragon. Sure, he could be the hero. That'd be fun. Damn, I just realized Valryl's taller than me. <laughs> yeah, so what about this real dragon? Dragon! Robot! I'm going to look at DeVito. Can we get him some water, please? <laughs> yeah, that is a very good idea. <laughs> DeVito says... Wait, watch. And Dermalair says, To the unbed! 
the lawn bad. Clink. And that will be enough to... Out. Yep. And he's down. Uh. And DeVito says, see, sometimes these things work themselves out. This is not Nobody's what I anticipated on me. us coming in here. <laughs> I am. You're just little now. I'm the same size as you, yeah, roughly. We're, we're smaller, so we can't, we can't carry you. Sorry. I'll fireman carry you if I have to. <laughs> That's adorable. So I guess we didn't really find anything. So just, he just fell down right now? or He just passed out on okay. the table. We should probably take him to bed. Oh, he's fine right there, I think. No one's walking on him. Yeah, well, at least get him over to the couch. Yeah. I was, Drag him over there. I'll help you. So approximately, what would we say how far we are from Aconitum Falls right now? Five days. There's another eruption of giggles from the bard's table. Yeah, where'd you guys go after you dropped Grom off at the couch? Probably go back to the, the table. table. Yeah. All right, so you you make you make the weapons. What what are you doing? What do you do over there, white hair? Me? Yeah, yeah. What do you do? Oh, I was I'm a a, a, a walk around. No, I, walk around. Yeah, I, I like to look at stuff and find things. Explorer, then. Yeah, that that right there. Yes, that's exciting. Have you made any discoveries? Fee, have we made discoveries? Oh, you're right there, Fee. You made have we made discoveries? Yes, pretty trees, oh, pretty rocks, the, those red waterfalls, hills over there. And the, the ruby hills. Yeah, the ones yeah. where the the people were killed a long time ago. Yes. Fascinating. What do you are you an explorer? No. Oh. What do you do? Well, you could say I'm an explorer of some sort. What do you explore? Hmm. Intrinsic entities. What's that mean? The redhead across the table says it, it just means he's another artificer. It's so that's just a fancy word for maker? Yes, you could say that. It's not just a fancy word. We are creating. We are exploring. We are discovering. We are the utmost creators. What's the utmost creation you ever made? A dragon? Man, you say dragon, I'm going to freak out. I have revolutionized the irrigation system here in Ekana. Oh, yeah. Well, that makes sense, actually. You guys got a lot of lot of farmland out mm, there. Indeed. Yeah. That's that's pretty crazy. It's not as exciting as some things, but yeah. I want to hear the it exciting provides. things. What are the exciting things? You're talking to the wrong person then. You said you made exciting things. Irrigation's cool, but it's not exciting. How is irrigation not exciting? Just water grows co- crops. It's... And how many crops per capita do you grow in your village? Young lizard dragon gold person. <laughs> I'm getting under the skin. Yeah, you I? are. Yeah, you're doing good. Yeah. He's got a real attitude. I'm like three foot nothing, <laughs> don't he? I need to ask you a question, though. I think you, you have to answer with a number, like a seven. Probably seven. This is preposterous. What do you do? There's a lady next to me. I craft things. Like what? Um, I, I made this. She reaches in her satchel and comes out with a superbly crafted a wood carving of a bird. Oh, she yeah. sets it down on the table and kind of touches it in the wings. You made that made out of wood? Wait, is it, that's moving out of wood? Mm-hmm. But these other things ain't wood, though, that move. No. Well, see, that one's cool. That's a cool one. That's cool. I like that. You do not understand the importance of irrigation? Ah, you shush. It's not making wood move. I like, I like that bird. That's a good bird. How dare you shush me? It's your name of Thaddeus. Yeah. <laughs> Revolutionizing farming communities. You just moved water. Calm down there, guy. Well, I never... <laughs> Shove him into a locker somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Does Miramonir still have the squirrel? 
Yeah, I was gonna ask about that. What happened to the squirrel? Still with you. It's on his shoulder. Did mm -hmm. it change size? Oh yeah. Or no? Well, I guess when the gnome pulled it out, it was wasn't too much for her to pull out. So I mean, I guess it'd be. It's small. So I look back. Hey, Miramonir, come here. What do you want? I I, I want to I want to see your squirrel real quick. I look Please. at the squirrel. Go to him. Were you pointing at the right? Climbs over the dwarf to get to Velro. <laughs> <laughs> so is anybody here make this? Is this supposed to be impressive? Is it? Wait, is this not? Is this not impressive? The moving squirrel seems like standard fare for Ekano. I think it was more impressive than that bird, but that bird was impressive. Wait, 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 wait! Picks up the squirrel and oh, Exynith made this. That's a name we've heard before. So no, this is not uncommon to Ekano. It was made here in Ekano. Right, but this is pretty fancy stuff for around here, though, right? I mean, Exynith is very good, but me. Could he make a dragon? I suppose if he put his mind to it. Nobody wants to make a dragon when we have the... Uh, mm, mm. Mm. We have the, the the stuff over there that you... What? What were you saying? Mm. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> You're lying you to me. You guys heard his feelings. Oh, I believe I see my friend at the bar. And he gets up and walks to the bar. Oh. Well, I guess we made him angry, huh? I, I think so, yeah. Mm. He's just excitable. It's fine. Is your friend going to be okay? Uh, you know, I hope so. Uh, his wife's right over there. She doesn't seem very concerned about him. So he mm, must true. be... True, so he must be fine. He must be fine. Uh, I imagine he does this quite often. We just met him not too long ago, to be mm. honest. So it's hard to say what, what they all get into. It's re Yeah, it's real, real hard to say. So what brings you to town? Oh, well, actually, you know what? Um, you you know this guy, this uh, fellow named uh, Medlack? You know anybody by the name of that? He's, uh, he's a wizard. I don't believe I do. No? You, you don't hear no, uh, like, magic-y stuff happen up in the hills that... There's plenty of magic that happens in the hills. Right, right. Um, well, what kind of magic are you talking about? Oh, I just... The nature of the Ruby Hills. The whole giants, a Gendrakon thing. So, yeah, pockets of strangeness, but nothing too out of the ordinary. Okay. Well, there's some wizard we're, we're trying to track down, and then there's that, uh, okay, I'll say it quiet so no one freaks out, but there's that, that blue dragon we've been looking for. Mm. You don't know nothing about that? No. Do I believe her? Roll tight. Since I'm listening, should I roll? Mm. Sure. 18. 15. Yeah, she is. She's not quite sure how to disengage when you bring up the blue dragon, but she has made the effort and she did it poorly. All right, well, that's fair enough. So, okay, you guys make all these little robot things, right? But how do you make them come to life? Is there like a, some like a magic dust you put on them? Or how do you, better yet, how do you make them turn off from life? As soon as the subject is turned to clockwork, she kind of like perks back up. Well, um, there is a little bit of magic involved, but the craftsmanship is very, very important. And um, I'm sorry, you want to turn them off from life? That sounds a lot like killing. Well, no, more like a... Well, yeah, what if one's attacking me and I need to put it to sleep, you know, just for a little bit? Oh, I see what you're saying. Well, the thing about clockwork is that um, once you breathe life into them, they are living entities. And so... Uh, yes, you have to kill them to shut them off. They're not machines that just get turned on and off. Well, you say they like live like they think and like like a like a regular animal. To an extent, yes. Well, that's kind of so. That squirrel right here. This is a thinking squirrel. You're gonna want to talk to Ganoff. 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 
so and then she lapses into like a very esoteric kind of philosophical ontological dissertation on why clockwork uh, creatures are living and why they should have rights and the whole that's that's very interesting um i'm gonna i'm gonna go sit next to this fire again uh i didn't sleep at all last night well it's a pleasure meeting you thank you it's a pleasure meeting you as well i'm sorry i did not catch your name uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. My name is Jororo. Jororo, nice, very nice to meet you. I hope I see you in town sometime. And I will, yeah, I'll go over the, the couch. I imagine we had another drink during some of this conversation, and with my exhaustion and everything, I imagine I'm pretty tuned up. She, um, upon making her niceties, stands up and exits. Oh, I liked your little squirrel thing too, by the way. I, you had a little friend that was in your hood. I, that was pretty cute, whatever that thing was. Thank you. I liked your mustache too. <laughs> thank you. Thank thank you. <laughs> I pick up the squirrel and bring it back to Mirwanir and then head over and sit on next to Brax. Tyler, how are you maintaining? I am first off doing my best to keep track of my party who has gone AWOL. <laughs> We're sitting right here. We're mingling. You never mingled in the bar? <laughs> Um, the alcohol hits different when you're little. And I'm just sipping my drink because I think somebody needs to be coherent enough to keep track of our party at the moment. Say, DeVito, if I needed a message to be delivered to Akinaw Falls or Akinitum Falls, where would I go for that? Mm. Are you willing to pay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I might have a I might have a solution by the moment. Why, why are you trying to send a message to Akinitum Falls? I want to check on Nerma. DeVito walks across and talks to the little gnome that has the little bird skull for a necklace. They're engaged in conversation for a moment. I told you, I'm pretty sure I know what happened to Nerma. You don't know until we confirm. Knock it off. If it was just a vision, then how did that thing hurt me? Did you touch the body when it was dead? (sighs) Not, not, not Nerma's. Okay. Did you touch Mayella's body? I tried. And? I don't remember. It's... Then you don't know. Let us find out for sure. I swear if that child is dead... Then we are gonna help you kill a god. I am going to shatter that statue and I'll kill everyone in my cave if I have to. And I will help you. But let's find out for sure first, okay? And if we cross paths with the Axithir, remind me to beat the shit out of him. Noted. So, the little dark-haired gnome with the bird skull for a necklace you find at your side. Oh, hi. You look up. DeVito's back behind the bar. She says, Hello. I'm understanding you need services of the arcane? I suppose. I just need a message sent to... Aconitum falls. Ah, that fortunately is within my skill set. <laughs> However, um, I need to be uh, reasonably familiar with whom I am trying to send a message. I'm not sure how I would accomplish that. Uh, do you have a picture? I don't know. God, do I have a picture? <laughs> no, you don't. Um, I can give you his name and location and describe him. Well, that's a start. Okay. All right, so go ahead and give me that. Um, so, my memory sucks, so I'm going to recite to the best of my character's knowledge. Let's have an intelligence roll. Fourteen. You recall fairly accurately what Grand Xander looks like. Are you going to try to have her 
send a message to Grinzander or Nerma? Um, that's a tough question. <laughs> Let's do Nerma, and the message is going to be requesting confirmation that she is well. I will go ahead and put a plus two on that 14 for Nerma because of the emotional attachment. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I think I think I can work with that. Okay. Uh, what would you like me to send her? Uh, for for Mermal. Mers. Mers. Mental health and well-being. We need to confirm that she is alive and well, and if she can attach some sort of proof in response. So we're looking for proof of life. Yes. Okay. Do we need anything past? Are you alive? Are you alive and well, please? <laughs> okay. Well, let's give this a shot. Oh, also, uh, my time and efforts uh, need to be compensated, so five gold, is that reasonable? Oh yeah, I can do that. Well, here we go. Closes her eyes. She reaches up and touches the bird skull on her necklace. And you see her eyes moving as if she's speaking to somebody, but you can't hear because whatever it is that she is speaking is nonverbal. Her lips move a little bit. Deep breath. Big pause. This has been Bedlam Social Hour, a D&D podcast, a Peace in the Chaos production. Bedlam Social Hour is Peyton Palmer as Mirmolnir, Mark McGrath as Brax Rome, Carrie Dennis as Tylolore, Matt Wagner as Valryl Tezaxen, Percy Steele as Grom the Toothy, and myself as everyone else. Please check out our link tree in the show notes for our social media connections, and please rate and review us on your favorite podcast platforms. Thank you once again for listening, and as always, work hard and be kind. Bangarang! <laughs> wow, deep pull. Nice job. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Rufy. Dang. Do you even know what that is? No. Okay, wow, <laughs> Oh, it's a throwback. I'm still but a small child.